welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Game Men and Their Dogs. It is day 165, episode 88. We're back here in the Zen Room. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here, of course, with the excruciating Tommy Gibbons. Hello, bitches. <laughs> and how are you today, Tommy? I'm okay. How are you? Doing generally well. Thank you for asking. I say awake and not crying. Uh, awake and not crying? Yes. Is that a good thing? That's positive, yeah. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> yeah. And did you have a good weekend? Uh, yeah, yeah, typical. Busy at the theater? It was, uh, yeah, it was two teenage productions. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so it, was, it wasn't as busy as it, you know, should be. Okay. Because, you know, there's two different productions. Yeah. So, yeah, worked, busy. What'd you do? Well, we went to the uh, Long Island Gay Men's Chorus 15th Anniversary Concert. Then saw John Steele sing with his friends. Yes, we did. And how was that? Really good show. Was it fun? Yes, it was. It was actually a very touching and moving show at times. Okay. Of course, the theme of the concert was Why We Sing. Why We Sing. So during each of the songs they had picked were all numbers that they had performed during their 15 years. Okay. And they had narrowed it down to this group of songs that they performed. And in between the numbers, each member of the chorus would step forward and tell a little story of why they sing. Okay. And some of them were really touching, some were funny. It was a really good concert, though. So that was it for my weekend. But I learned something uh, this weekend on Facebook about our Facebook page. Okay. There's a little notice saying there that your page is not recommendable. The Grumpy Old Gaming page? Yeah. Your page? It says, we are no longer suggesting your page to people. People can still find and like your page, but we don't recommend pages that include any of these. Administrators with a history of violating community standards. Ding, 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 ding. Click. Topics of page is focused on civics, vaccines, or other sensitive subjects. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, so why are you surprised you're raising your hand ringing a bell? It's like if I had paid Facebook yes. to promote my page. Yes. They have no problem, but I'm not paying them, so now they're going to punish me. No, no, they're just not... Because of what, what I may have done individually as a person on my own individual Facebook page, and because of some of the subject matter that we cover on Grumpy Old Game Men and Their Dogs. Which kind of tracks, doesn't it? I guess. Really? You guess? I guess. Whatever. I mean, it's it, comes, it, it sucks, but it comes as no surprise that free service is going to say, listen, we don't want to deal with this. We don't want, we don't want you people talking about this. And they found you, and you do, and you have a big mouth, and they heard you, so here they are. No. And now they're saying, we're not, you could be here, but we're not going to tell people to come here. Yeah, I know. It's like, thanks a fucking lot, guys. No, thanks you a lot. Well, like I said, yeah, but if you, had, you, had no pro you would have no problem taking my money to do it. Then no. you'd have no moral qualms about any of this. I can't believe you're this angry over this. It, it pisses me off, yeah. That's well, because it's happening to you. Well, it's happening to us. Well, no, it's, it's. Yes, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I didn't even know about it. <laughs> well, now you do. <laughs> I'm not irate by it. I'm annoyed by it, to say the least. Bye, bye. I see that. That is the least. FB should stand for flatulent biddies, because that's what I think are the ones running this fucking Facebook, I tell you. Flatulent biddies. Yes. Sounds like a animation about cats. <laughs> Flatulent cats. Yes. Cats that fart. But on that note, I think we'll move on to our very first segment. Mm. 
it's time for a little heavy petting. And today we have a story. Did you know that there are dog lifeguards? I did. I did not know this, but there are actually only two certified canine lifeguards in the country. Two individual dogs? Yes. Okay. And their names are Bowie and Beacon. Here's a picture of them. There we go. Oh, They're yeah. two New Newfoundland dogs. Newfies. And uh, they work at a beach in southwest Maine. They serve as what is called second responders. When someone in the water needs help, a first responder, a lifeguard, will spring into action. Then a second human lifeguard and one of the dogs follows close behind with a piece of floating rescue equipment. Okay. Once they have the victim on the device, then the dog helps to pull everyone back onto the beach again. Okay, now I have to say, I love this story. And yeah. If you go back and listen to the podcast, mm -hmm. somebody was here. Yes. We were in here. Yes. And you told a story about a dog. And I, you showed a video about a dog. Well, that was, a dog, that was about the dog that was surfing. No, I don't think it was. No. So I, I said, I want to show you a video. And you got all hissy and huffy. Oh, that, that's my God. That was last, so last week. And, and what happened was, when I made you play the video, it was about a dog who was jumped into the water to pull a dog, a smaller, much smaller dog who was stuck on a... Yes, I know, on a little life raft. I they did exactly the same thing. And I poo-pooed it at you, the time. You, you shit shit. You just to, just to bust your balls, I, yeah, I did that. Yeah, here you are. <laughs> so, I just want to notate that to the universe. I recognize that that happened. That's yes, I did that. A little bit of joy right there. <laughs> gotta say. But anyway, these dogs were trained by a not-for-profit group in Massachusetts called the American Academy of Canine Water Rescue. And if you want to, if you're if you're in the water, you want to see a Newfie coming for you. Of course, you right? See that nice, dog. big, healthy dog to pull you in, right? Happy to see you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, that was a cool story. So, thank you, Bowie and Beacon. Bowie and Beacon. Right? right? Labby, oh no, they're newfies. You just told yeah, me. Yeah, they're they are. They're newfies. I like them. We now move on to our dictionary of dogs, our canine compendium. We are up to the letter F. You're not going to know this one because it's a, it's a Brazilian name. Um, <laughs> a Brazilian name that starts with F. Yes, it's actually two words. Fanzia Cujo. <laughs> no, uh, I, I didn't know you spoke Portuguese. Which I'm, is the language of Brazil. I'm from Mineola, Little <laughs> Lisbon. Oh, okay. Uh, my first crush was Chucky Goncalves, please. Um, Do you tell? Which I think turns out to be Carlos and not Charles. Okay. I thought Chucky was short for Charles. I think it's Carlos. Now you know. Charles Goncalves doesn't sound really rational. No, it doesn't. No. But Carlos, Carlos Goncalves does. Is perfect. Yes, it does. Uh, I was like 40, 54 when I heard something like it. Yeah, it was a Facebook thing. But anyway, we are talking about a dog called the Fila Brasileiro. Fila, Fila, isn't that soccer? No, this is F-I-L-A. That's soccer. No. Fisa? That's Fifa. F-I-F-A. This is the Fila Brasileiro. Okay, it looks big. Yes, it is. The oh Brazilian God. breed of working dog of the Mastiff type. It's used yeah. as a guard dog, yeah, yeah. 
for cattle herding and for big game hunting. Yeah, big but it's also a good companion dog. Yeah, except it drools. It is believed to actually descend from European dogs brought to Brazil during the colonial period. Okay, well, yeah, it looks century. like a. And unfortunately, in the 18th century, when slavery was still legal in Brazil, they were used to return escaped slaves. Yeah, yeah. But they are about 26 to 30 inches tall. They weigh about 110 pounds. There's a smooth, short coat, and the colors are. Brindle, fawn, and black. Yeah. Let's see if I can get another good picture of one. Yeah, there there yeah. you go. I don't like that picture so well. No, it's the yeah. coloring. The coloring the brindle is not is as red. attractive. I don't like his posture. Up there. There's, uh, there's, oh, that, right? Okay, yeah. That's a nice color. I like that, that brindle color. You that's know? not brindle. It's not brindle? No, brindle is the, like the black and gray, sort of black, ah. and, black and striped, like sort of Would that be patchy. fawn then? That, would, that might be fawn. That okay. might could be fawn. That would be fawn. Is there a red option? Oh, there they go. There See, we nah. go. Yeah, very sweet faces. I don't want the drool. I can't, I can't, I <laughs> yeah, I can't. you can just tell they're probably droolers, right? I can't. We now move on to our next segment. Happy birthday. Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Yes, it's time for today's birthdays. And we have two of them today. One dead and one living. Okay. Well, give me the dead one first. Please. He was born Seymour Kaufman in New York City on June 14th, 1929. He was a child prodigy who gave piano recitals at such venues as Steinway Hall, New York City's Town Hall, and Carnegie Hall between the ages of six and nine. He began his Broadway career as a composer when he collaborated with Carolyn Lee on a musical called Wildcat. And I believe I have a little clip of that with a then young lady named Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball. You gotta say stand up. There's Lucy. You gotta say it's us. We're here. You gotta say, hey, look me over. Let me in here. Fresh out the clover. Mortgage up to here. But don't pass the plate, folks. Don't pass the cup. I figure whenever you're down and out, the only way is up and out. So. At Hampton Street Elementary School growing up, yes, every kid learned that song. Really? You know, the, the the words were changed to suit the school. Okay. Okay. It was it was the what the sixth graders sang. Every sixth grader sang it uh, as part of the graduation moving on thing. We right. sang a version of that song written for the school. Okay. So every time I hear that song, I think about that. I'm glad to bring that memory back up for I'm you. I'm wondering how many of the actual lyrics that I learned are still there. I it know, sounds right? weird, but you know. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Anyway, this composer and Carolyn Lee then went on to write the words of music for the musical Little Me in 1962 with a book by Neil Simon. Yeah. And then in 1964, this composer met Dorothy Fields, and their first collaboration was 1966's Sweet Charity. Okay. Followed by their next collaboration in 1973, which was Seesaw. I love charity. This man also collaborated with Michael Stewart on 1977's I Love My Wife and 1980's Barnum. He worked worked with Betty Comden and Adolph Green on 1978's On the 20th Century and 1991's The Will Rogers Follies. Seymour Kaufman? That was his birth name, yes. Okay. He also wrote the music for 1989's City of Angels and 1990's The Life. He won five Tonys for The Will Rogers Follies, City of Angels, and on the 20th century. He is the only composer to win consecutive Tony Awards for Best Score at the same time that the same musical won for Best Musical. 
and that was for City of Angels and the Will Rogers Follies. Say that again. That this composer was the only one to win consecutive awards for best score at the same time that the musical for which he wrote the score won for best musical. Okay. He's the only one to have done that. that and that seems so illogical to me. Well, they also mentioned, they, they said, Stephen Sondheim actually won three consecutive Tony Awards for Best Score for Company, Follies, and A Little Night Music, but Follies did not win for Best Musical. But, and that happens a lot, where one is, like, the music, the guy who wrote the music isn't nominated or doesn't win with the Best Musical. Right. Just seen, uh, I can't think of this guy's name. Well, he was elected to the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1981, was a recipient, recipient of the Songwriters Hall of Fame Johnny Mercer Award in 1995, and elected to the American Theatre Hall of Fame in 2000. And he died on November 18th, 2004, at the age of 75 of cardiac arrest. His professional name, Cy Coleman. Cy Coleman. I think you might have gotten it since we only discussed Dorothy Fields not too long ago. Yeah, and I, I could sing how many of fucking Cy Coleman lyrics, fucking <laughs> melody. I, I know how many of those songs. How many? I don't know. How many do you know? I know all of Charity to begin with. So, so there. And then I wasn't listening to all. Oh, I know the Will Rogers Follies. Okay. I know Life. I know Life. That's one of my favorite songs ever is in the Life. Okay. Which song? Uh, well, there's two. Okay. One is... Um, I Love My Body. My Body. Love, the great number. Uh, the, 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 the And also the uh, the spiritual number, You Can't Get to Heaven I Like, also. No, the, um, I'm getting too old for the oldest uh, profession. Yes, yeah. yes, good number. Yeah. Yes, uh, happy birthday to Cy, Cy Coleman. Coleman. You dead fuck. And our next birthday celebrant is alive. And is a former U.S. president. Born June 14th, 1946 in Queens County. The fourth of five children. Yes, it is Donald Tiberius Trump. Today is his birthday. (laughs) Yes, can you believe it? How old is he? 77 77 years old today. 77 today, Donald Trump. Yep. Had he only just kept his mouth shut. Yes, but the man just can't seem to do that. But we'll be talking about more about him later on in the... In the podcast. So, I don't really need to wish Donald Trump a happy birthday. I don't wish him a happy birthday. <laughs> so, so why'd you bring him up, even? Well, I had to acknowledge it. It is his birthday today, you know. It would have been a slight if I hadn't remembered it. Well, a slight that you certainly did not want to appear to be giving. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, instead, what you did was you drag it out, drag it out, and say, I'm not going to wish you a happy birthday. Yeah. Okay. That works for me. Uh, Clearly. That's what you did. (laughs) We now move on to our next segment. Yes, it's time for Bring Out Your Dead, and we've got a slew of them this week. Do we really? Oh my god, I think I've got three or four of them. What is it, a plane crash? Uh, no, no. These are all separate deaths, none related. Okay. I'll give the most recent one. Died on uh, June 13th of this year. Okay. Born in Rhode Island, raised in Tennessee. He wrote his first novel in 1965. His fifth novel, 1985's Blood Meridian, was critically acclaimed and later cited as an example of the great American novel. Is this Cormac? It is indeed Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, I read about that. 
Have you ever read any of his works? I think I have. Yes. Which of his works have you read? Um, did he write Angela? Angela's Ashes? Yes. No, that's a um, that's something that's someone else. I can't think of the author's name now. Um, I don't know. Give me his bibliography. Well, he also in uh, 1992 he uh, had gained commercial success with All the Pretty Horses, which received the National Book Award and the National Book Critics Circle Award, and later made into a film. All right, good for him. And then he, is, he came out in, 19, in 2005 with the novel No Country for Old Men, okay, that was, which was uh, made into a film in 2007, winning four Academy Awards, including Best Picture. And and uh, who was in that movie? That was with Josh Brolin, and I forget the guy who plays the uh, the villain. No Country for Old Men? Yeah. I didn't see it. Oh, good movie. Definitely recommend it. I didn't see it. And then he also is known for writing the 2006 novel The Road, which won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction and also made it to a film. What prize? The Pulitzer Prize. Pulitzer? Yes. Not Pulitzer. I always say Pulitzer. Because you're fancy. <laughs> That's why I've always heard it. The Pulitzer. He won the Pulitzer Prize. Yes. You, have you ever read The Road? No. Oh, it's a beautiful book. It's, I'm most, sure it's the, the most beautiful book about the end of the world. He won the Pulitzer read. Prize. You're right? No, yeah. He also, and, I understand, the Pulitzer. Shut oh, the fuck up. Go ahead. Two prizes. He also published a play in 2006 called The Sunset Limited, right. with the subtitle A Novel in Dramatic Form. Okay. It's basically two actors, one known as black and one known as white, corresponding to their skin color. Okay. And it's about the black character had saved the life of a the white character from who was about to throw himself in front of a train, and he brings him to be... Black character brings him back to his apartment, and they have a long conversation. It was actually made into a movie with Samuel Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones. Okay. Just so you know. So I'm, Now I know, and I'll never do anything with any of that knowledge. <laughs> so to Cormac McCarthy, we say, rest in peace. Thank you for your words. That's only the first one. The next one died on June 13th of this year. Same day. Born December 1st, 1951 in Connecticut. He played football in high school and college while also performing in shows. He launched his professional acting career in musical theater, first as an understudy to several of the male leads in the Broadway production of Grease, and then in a touring production of that musical. From 1974 to 1975, he starred in the musical review Over Here, alongside John Travolta, Anne Reinking, Mary Lou Henner, and two of the Andrews sisters. Oh, dear. He then returned to Greece on Broadway in the lead role of Danny Zuko, which he played for three years. Wow. He made his film debut in 1975, but the following year, he played, he's probably better known for a supporting role he had in the film The Ritz. As a squeaky voice character looking for a suspect in a gay bathhouse. Okay. He also came to world attention in 1979 when he played the role of Berger in the Milos Forman film adaptation of the musical Hair. Oh, this is, what's his name? Treat Williams. Treat Williams, as a matter of fact, you are correct. Yeah. Richard Treat Williams, as a matter of fact. Dick Treat Williams? I guess so, yes. Okay. He went on to appear in over 75 films and TV series. His most notable roles were in Night the Film 1941, Once Upon a Time in America, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, and from 1998 to 2001, he took over the action franchise, uh, action film franchise, The Substitute. Oh, God. Which is really bad. He plays like this 
military guy who becomes like a substitute teacher and is all these street they're ridiculous. It was a TV series? No, they were a film franchise. He made them from like for like three years. Okay. He was hot. He got his second Golden Globe nomination for his role in the Sydney Lumet film uh, Prince of the City in 1981. And then he received his third Golden Globe nomination for playing Stanley Stanley Kowalski in a TV production of A Streetcar Named Desire. Oh, how was that? I don't know. I did not see it. What year was it? 1984. But he's probably better known to younger audiences as playing the neurosurgeon who moves his family to Colorado in the WB television series Everwood. Didn't watch that either. Then it's weird that I wouldn't watch a show called Everwood. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was called Hardwood you would have watched. Maybe. Are you listening, Hollywood? Yeah, yeah, Hollywood. (laughs) Williams was also a trained pilot and certified flying instructor and a certified scuba uh, diver. But on June 12th, he was involved in a motorcycle crash in Vermont. He was driving straight and someone made a left turn in front of him and collided. And he died the following day. That's uh, He was 71 years old. 71? Right. On a motorcycle. Yep. So to treat Williams, we say, rest in peace. The next one you'll probably know quite well. He died on June 10th of this year. Didn't know. Born May 22nd, 1942. He was a mathematical prodigy but abandoned his academic career in 1969 to pursue a primitive lifestyle. He authored a 35,000-word manifesto called Industrial Society and Its Future. Oh, wait. Are you talking about Ted Kaczynski? I am talking about Ted Kaczynski, a.k.a. the Unabomber. I didn't know he died. Yes, he did. It appears that he committed suicide. In prison? In prison. Okay, what were his conditions like? Like, was he in solitary? Like, was he on a watch? I don't know. They, they, don't, they don't say. Probably not. I mean, he was basically in there for life, so probably not. But uh, for those of you who are not familiar, between 1978 and 1995, Kaczynski murdered three people and, early, and injured 23 others in a nationwide mail bombing campaign against people he believed to be advancing modern technology and destruction of the environment. And he, he built a bomb to explode in people's homes. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So basically, after the after his manifesto was published by the newspapers, his brother recognized the writing style and notified the FBI. And uh, he was arrested. He maintained that he was sane. He tried to d- dismiss his attorneys because they wanted him to plead insanity. But instead, he pleaded guilty to all the charges and was sentenced to eight consecutive life terms with no possibility of parole. Uh, and where is he? Like, what state is he in? Uh, wherever prison he was in, he, that he died in. I'm not sh- it doesn't really say what prison he because, was in. Because, like, the people all lived in different places, and he was, like, in a wood hut or something. Yeah, he was living in a remote cabin. Had no running... Uh, remote cabin. All water, right. no electricity. That was in Montana. Montana, all right. Mm-hmm. So, like, where did they put him in jail? Yeah, that I don't know. Venue. Uh, it's a new word I learned this week. Venue. Ooh, nice, good word. Yeah, so that's the story of Ted Kaczynski. But our next deceit is probably almost as evil, if not more evil, than him. Born March 22nd, 1930, died on June 8th of this year. He was a Southern Baptist minister, oh, a media mogul, religious broadcaster, and a presidential candidate. All of those things. Yes. And he still died. And he still died at the age of 93. We're talking about Pat Robertson. I despised... Pat Robertson. 
as would be expected and by you. I'm going to give a list of reasons why, because of all the shit and things that he did. This was not a man. This was not a good Christian man. No, it, he was the opposite of that. Go ahead, go through your list. Well, let me see. He made he made numerous incorrect predictions all the time, including that the world was going to end in 1982. Should have set him on fire. For and that, that Trump would be reelected in 2020. He uh, claimed to be a faith healer, and in 1986, he said that he could cure people of AIDS by praying. How'd that go? Uh, <laughs> as well as you can expect. All right, go ahead. In a 1986 interview, he said, It is interesting that termites don't build things, and the great builders of our nation almost to a man have been Christians, because Christians have the desire to build something. The people who have come into our institutions today are primarily termites. They are into destroying institutions that have been built by Christians, whether it's universities, governments, our own traditions that we have. The termites are in charge now, and that is not the way it ought to be. And the time has arrived for a godly fumigation. Okay, so are we going to call that the godly fumigation speech? Yes, I guess so. In 1988, when he ran for president, it was discovered that Roberts had been lying about his wedding date for all this time. His wedding date? Yes, was it somebody that it wasn't supposed to be? Well, he gave it as being five months different from what it was because when he got married, his then-fiancé was pregnant. And he said that the child was conceived before he found Jesus. Okay. Um, he said, oh, on the 700 Club, 1991, he said, you're supposed to be nice to the Episcopalians and the Presbyterians and the Methodists and this, that, and the other thing. Nonsense. I don't have to be nice to the spirit of the Antichrist. Oh. In 2015 on his show, he called Islam a political system intent on world domination and that it is not a religion. In 1995, he attacked Hinduism, calling it demonic, saying that they worship idols and hundreds of millions of deities, which has put a nation in bondage to spiritual forces that has deceived many for thousands of years. Okay. In 2015, when a woman called into the show concerned about working, working around so many Buddhists, he compared Buddhism to a disease, saying, If you're healthy and there is contagion around you, chances are you won't get it. But if you put yourself in the middle of a hospital ward where everybody has that disease except you, sooner or later you will be infected by it. All right. He described feminism as a socialist, anti-family political movement that encourages women to leave their husbands, kill their children, practice witchcraft, destroy capitalism, and become lesbians. Uh, all that before intermission. <laughs> of course, he also would blame the acceptance of homosexuality for hurricanes and earthquakes and tornadoes. And in 1988, when he made the claim about Hurricane Bonnie that it was heading towards Florida, it was going to destroy... Disney because of its acceptance of gay days at Disney and anything. Well, as it was, Hurricane Bonnie turned away from Florida and damaged the rest of the East Coast. And the area hit hardest by the camp uh, by the hurricane was the Hamptons Roads region, which included Virginia Beach, which was where the 700 Club was located. That's right. <laughs> Landed on his street. And while other hurricanes did hit Florida, none of them hit Disney World. Roberts also said in 2019 that God would get rid of the United States as a nation, and that the land will vomit you out if the Equality Act passed. See, it's it's the the poetry in his prose. Right? In 1999, the Bank of Scotland announced a joint venture with Robertson to establish banks in the United States 
that would conduct business by telephone, which they had used in the United Kingdom. But then Robertson said that the Church of Scotland and the Scottish Episcopal Church ignored the teachings of St. Paul because they had ordained gays, and then said Scotland was a dark land overrun by gays. So the bank dropped its plan to work with Robertson. Right. <laughs> Here's a doozy. In 1994, he made emotional pleas for cash donations to his Operation Blessing to support airlifts of refugees from Rwanda to Zaire. That was it following the Rwanda genocide. But a reporter discovered that the airplanes were transporting diamond mining equipment for the Robertson-owned African Development Corporation, a venture that he established in cooperation with the dictator who ruled Zaire. So he never took anybody up? No, it was all bullshit. It's all bullshit. In 2005, Robertson told the citizens of Dover, Pennsylvania, that they had rejected God by voting out of office all seven members of the school board who supported intelligent design. Okay. He said... I'd like to say to the good citizens of Dover, if there's a disaster in your area, don't turn to God. You just rejected him from your city. Ain't God's fault. In 2007 on his show, he stated that people who have too much plastic surgery, quote unquote, got the eyes like they're oriental. And then he stretched his eyelids in a manner stereotypical of Asians. Here's another doozy. In 2010, following an earthquake in Haiti, he said, something happened a long time ago in Haiti. And people might not want to talk about it. They were under the heel of the French, you know, Napoleon III and whatever. And they got together and they swore a pact to the devil. They said, we will serve you if you get us free from the French. True story. And so the devil said, okay, it's a deal. And they kicked the French out. The Haitians revolted and got themselves free. And ever since, they have been cursed by one thing after the other. Uh, okay, and it's the deal that they made with the devil to keep yes, the French out. exactly. How much time did you spend on this place? <coughs> oh, I, a good amount of time. Yeah. That's yeah. how much I despise this man. No, I mean, like, in practicing his, his, his voice. Oh, I didn't really. I didn't work on that at all, as you can obviously tell. No. <laughs> Just noticing. But in 2013, he said that members of the San Francisco gay community would deliberately infect people with AIDS by cutting them with a sharp infected ring while they were shaking hands with people. That's ridiculous. Yep. In 2021, he sparked controversy. And they had said, sex in public bathrooms instead. <laughs> in 2021, Little he said... Sex on rings is no way to spread AIDS. No kidding. I'm saying they would have known that in San Francisco at the time, but what do I know? I'm not Pat Robinson. In 2021, he said that critical race theory is a monstrous evil and that it gives people of color the whip handle over white people. Uh-oh. And then in 2022, he stated that Russian President Vladimir Putin was compelled by God to invade Ukraine in fulfillment of the end times prophecy in Israel. He then called on, later on, he called on President Biden to take an aggressive stance towards Russia, including using nuclear weapons. That's all my research on Pat Robertson. All right. The okay. man was a fucking monster. I see you feel very strongly about Yeah, this. I do. Oh, okay. He was not a Christian. I mean, I'm an agnostic, and I was, I'm probably more Christian than this fucker ever was. Well, probably. You know, he was, just, he's a, he was a charlatan, a fraud, just a fucking evil man, I thought. He was terrible. He hated gay people. Well, yeah. So, yeah, so good riddance. You don't get no funeral music. Just fucking good riddance to you. No, you should get, like, sound of rocks and sticks banging or some shit. We now move on to our next segment. 
Yes, it's time for Today in History! Okay. And today in history, oh, you're going to like this one, I think. This show opened on Broadway on June 7th, 2011, after the longest preview period in Broadway history of 182 preview performances. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, turn off the dark, with music lyrics by Bono and the Edge from U2, and a book by Julie Taymor, who was also the director, and Glenn Berger. To say the show was a fiasco would be to put it mildly. No, it, it was a fiasco. I saw it. You saw it? I did see it. Oh, my God. She does... Now, did you see the 1.0 version or the 2.0 version after they brought in Roberto Aguirre Sacasa to help rewrite the book and they fired Julie Taymor? Um, I don't... I, I don't know. Okay. I'll have to check on that. Because, <laughs> yeah, she was, she was eventually fired from the show. Now they closed the show down for like a month after all the negative reviews, and they brought in Acosta, Sacasa to help rewrite the book. Okay, well, visually, this you can't do anything on Broadway that looks like Julie Taymor, unless you're Julie Taymor. Yeah. She's just, she has it over, you know, what she does in a proscenium state is amazing. It was not good. No. Especially with all the performers who were getting injured, injured all the time during I mean, the performances. Was, you know, the, and all they, the mechanical glitches that happened. They were flying dozens of people throughout the auditorium all of the time. They had the battles above the, you know, like right in Watching it, I was like, this would be a great show in Vegas. It would be a great show in Vegas. Yeah, but it's not a show for Broadway. Uh, you know, you got Bono in the Edge. And the music, I'm sorry, the music is not that. Is it's not, not good. It's not memorable at all. It's not good. I, I don't was, hear anyone, you know, humming tunes from Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Visually, it was stunning. Well, I was going to play a little clip here of you. Uh, it's a number, A Freak Like Me Needs Company with the Green Goblin. <laughs> if you're looking for a night out on the town, you just found me. I'm a $65 million circus tragedy. Oh, you have video? Yeah. That's awful. I was watching that clip and I'm like... They had to bring in other singers because the what the people out there in costume obviously can't sing through those costumes. So they had to bring out younger actors and dancers to come out there and sing the chorus for the show. It's called the chorus. I know. But it was just like, we're filling in for the leads because they can't sing in these costumes. Well, that's what you know? the chorus does. But 90 put, when they, the, the, the curtain call for that, there were like 12 Spider-Men. Because everybody, all the men, probably maybe even some of the women in that cast at one point or another had that Spider-Man costume on. Yeah. So it was, you know, that's where those kids come from. Yeah. It's, I look, I just looking at other clips, I'm like, this never should have made it to Broadway. Mm. Like I said, Vegas would have been a great place for they it. They tried. Yeah, but just, uh, there haven't been very many successful superhero musicals on mm -hmm. Broadway. There was what? It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Beyond that, I can't think of any other ones. Vampires, too. They don't do well. 
Yes, vampires do not do well on Broadway either. Except for Frank Langella when he did the play of Dracula. But musicals, no. Vampire musicals have not worked. Yeah, they don't work. But anyway, this musical had a budget of $75 million. And when it closed in 2014, it had lost $60 million. But it was nominated for two Tony Awards for Best Costume Design and Best Scenic Design. Which I can understand looking at it, Uh you know? But it's... It's a mess of a show. So we now move on to our next segment. What day is it? Could you please tell me? What day is it? I'm confused, you say. Yes, time once again for what day is it? Any guesses today, Tommy? Yeah. Okay. Velcro Appreciation Day. No. How about Hug Your Mother-in-Law Day? <laughs> A nice sentiment, but no. Okay, let's see. It's it's June, right? So that has nothing to do with anything. Oh, day of the perennial. The perennial what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Today is Flag Day. Flag Day. Yes, it commemorates the adoption of the flag of the United States on June 14th, 1777, by resolution of the Second Continental Congress. Go for them. Did you know that the so-called Betsy Ross flag, which is the... F- uh, flag with the stars in a circle. In a circle, yeah. Well, she did not make that flag. Of course she didn't make that flag. No, it's an apocryphal story that was spread by her family. They really don't know who designed the American flag, the American flag originally. It was a gay guy. And actually, the first flag before the one they adopted was a flag that they called the... It was called the Grand Union flag. Okay. It had the red and white stripes, but in the upper left-hand corner was the British Union Jack. I've seen that. Yeah, that was the original flag that the when the revolution started. It's like the original picture in picture. Yeah. That's what it looks like. <laughs> but yeah, the flag was officially adopted in 1777. Doesn't Australia or New Zealand have that? What's that? Like a, a background, and then the upper left-hand corner is the Union Jack? Maybe. Maybe New Zealand does, or Australia. I don't know. Somebody does. But anyway, do you know what the colors of the flag stand for? The red is the blood spilt. The white is the promise of, you know, the promise of whatever America stands for. Um, There are 13 stripes because there were 13 original colonies. There are 50 or 51, depending upon who you ask, whether or not you do the PAMDA or you whatever it is, uh, stars, one for each state. The blue, I think, has to do with the ocean. Well, I'm going to tell you because... I was taught some of those same things that you were taught about what the colors stand for. There actually is no official meaning to them, but Charles Thompson, who was the secretary of the the Continental Congress, he had proposed a U.S. seal in 1782 with those colors, red, white, and blue. And he had written that the red stood for hardiness and valor, the white stood for purity and innocence, and the blue stood for vigilance, perseverance, and justice. Okay, good for him. One of the most famous of Nothing the, about the ocean, huh? Nothing about the ocean. Wow, that's too bad. One of, one of the most famous flags, of course, is the star-spangled banner flag that flew over Fort McHenry during the War of 1812 and inspired the National Anthem. I hate that song. The National Anthem? I hate it. But anyway, that flag is on display at the National Museum of American History at the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. Which is probably where it belongs. Yes, it's a beautiful... Ex- I've seen the flag. It's a, except it's huge. for Mar- Mar-a-Lago. It could... It, it <laughs> might could do in Mar-a-Lago. 
Well, you find a whole bunch of shit that don't belong, evidently. Yeah, obviously. Do you know how the U.S. flag got the nickname Old Glory? Old Glory. It became Old Glory because... I don't know. <laughs> that must be one of those days where I had soup and watched Bob Barker. Well, there was a flag owned by a 19th century sea captain named William Driver. He had a flag that was made by his mother and some other women, and he called it Old Glory. And he flew the flag during his career at sea, and he brought it with him to Nashville, Tennessee, where he settled. And then he had to hide the flag during the Civil War. To make well, sure. he was in Tennessee. Yes, exactly. It became part of the Smithsonian Institution. It's also at the National Museum of American History. And it, too, should be at Mar-a-Lago. And, of course, there's also the original Fort Sumter flag that flew over the fort that was eventually lowered when it surrendered in the first uh, shots of the Civil War. Say it with me, Patrick. What? Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> no, that's on display at the museum at Fort Sumter in hang, South Carolina. Hang all three of them above Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> But only when he's in residence. Oh, okay. Why don't we just give him a pirate flag instead? That's for when he's not in residence. <laughs> Today is also a day that I know you'll like. It's National Bourbon Day. I like bourbon. I know you do. I do. I enjoy. Do you know that bourbon is a whiskey that can only be called bourbon when it is distilled in the United States? It, yes, and mostly in Tennessee. Yes. And also, for it to be legal, to be legally labeled as bourbon, it has to meet specific criteria. Not Tennessee. That's well, Kentucky. Tennessee, Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky. Tennessee the, is the home of Tennessee whiskey, which is different from bourbon. bourbon. Are they the same thing, Texas and Kentucky? Texas and Kentucky are two different states. Okay. They sound, well, no, not Texas. What are you talking about, then? Kentucky and... Tennessee. Tennessee. They're neighboring states. They are neighboring states. Okay. Yes. But anyway, I'm sorry. Are they kind of the same shape and look like like the mirror image of the of each? There's two of them down there that they're more horizontal in shape, and they sit next to each other. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Just orienting myself. Okay, you orient yourself. But anyway, for a whiskey to be called bourbon, it has to be 51 percent corn. The distiller must store the whiskey in new chart oak barrels. Mm-hmm. The Whiskey must be distilled at no more than 160 proof, and the distillers must ensure that... Because then it tastes like shoe polish. Yes. And lastly, the distillers must ensure that the bourbon is barreled at 125 proof. And among popular cocktails using bourbon are the Manhattan... I love it. The Bourbon Smash... Don't know it. Don't know that one either. The Old Fashioned... I love it. The Whiskey Sour. Love it, love it, love it. The Mint Julep. I love a Mint Julep. And one I hadn't heard of before either, the Bourbon Lancer. Uh, I haven't heard of that. Made with champagne. I like this. Yeah, the Bourbon Lancer. I heard that. I was like, ooh, that sounds interesting. That's kind of bougie. Right? Yeah, very bougie. Bourbon and champagne. Bourbon and champagne. We'll have to try that sometime. Yeah. (laughs) Steven! So, that's the story of National Bourbon Day and Flag Day. Interesting. Interesting days. Yes, they are. Get drunk and wave the flag. (laughs) (laughs) It is pride, after all. Yes, it is. We now move on to our next segment, wherein we take a look into my briefs. This is just insane. And, of course, the big legal story of the day. Of the day. Donald, or the week of the month of the year. Of the The first U.S. former president to be indicted on federal criminal charges. It's 
unbelievable. Yes, it is unbelievable. The day before his birthday. Yeah. Well, they, you know, it's the federal government. They don't give a shit about the Of time. course not. I just like the timing's perfect. Yeah. Though. Yeah. But all I can say is it's about fucking time. That you know happens. what's going to happen, Patrick? It just occurred to me because today's his birthday. He's going to die, and when he dies, he wins. If he dies before spending a day in jail, he wins. I think if he dies, I think the nation wins. Well, humanity <laughs> wins. You know, only earthworms lose in that case. But I just think, you know, this happens in other countries all the time. Yeah. Where former political leaders get arrested for crimes they committed while they were in office. All right. This is nothing unusual. It's just unusual in this country because we treat the president like second to being a king, basically. That's you know? true. We, we assign this sanctimony or dignity to this office that it may not necessarily always deserve. Same you know? as the Supreme Court, you know, put on a pedestal, held up as the ideal. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're all just... And they'll do whatever they can to stay where they are because it's nice up there. Yeah. But, I mean, I hear some of these news stories. Oh, this is about Biden going after a political rival. And we're like, no, Biden didn't do this. A grand jury indicted Trump on these charges. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the Chris Christie thing, I was practicing and so it was on. Okay. But it was on way over here. You know what I mean? So he's, and they played the clip today. On Chris, uh, we were just watching during dinner. Chris Hayes. Chris Hayes. They, you may or may not have been in the room, but they played the clip of Chris Christie talking about Donald Trump. And the story was which of the Republicans have spoken out against him? Which of the current Republicans on the on the candidates? Of the candidates? It's only been Christie, I it's think. It's Christie and, and Hutchinson. Oh, Asa Hutchinson. Okay. Um but Christie was like, you're, look, you're blaming everybody. You're blaming everybody from the FBI. And he does this list, of, and he does it in that, you know, sort of northeastern way that we speak. Yep. And then he says, blame him. Well, is, I mean, I actually read the entire indictment. So did I. I actually downloaded it to my Kindle. And I agree with a lot, with a lot of the TV legal pundits are saying that it's more detailed than usual for an indictment. Well, they know what... But they, I guess they pretty much... Had to do it that way because it's the first time we're indicting a president. Dot you know? every T and cross every I. Make exactly. Sure that it's all done correctly. Exactly. And, and you know what? If the federal government is going to take that kind of time and that kind of manpower and that kind of money, uh, they know something. Yeah. Like, they know that they got you by the short and curlies. That's like the they thing. They just got you. So so what what are you going to do? He's gonna, you know, he's gonna throw everything at it, and the easiest thing, and the one that sells the best, of course, for him is the it's a hoax, and I'm a victim, and they're coming for me. They're gonna come come for, for you. you. That's his line. Um, yep. And there's no reason to come for everybody else. No. When everybody else goes and steals documents, or when everybody else invades the Capitol during a, you know, a damn for a thing in January, so when those things happen, the FBI is gonna come after. The federal government is gonna come after you. He deserves this. Of course he does. Who does he think he is? I mean, the- I mean, and people are saying, oh, it's only classified documents. No one saw them or anything. And then I researched other people who have been charged with taking classified documents illegally. And I found one. This happened in 2018. There was this, I think it was a Vietnamese immigrant. He uh, worked for the U.S. government. 
He was a software developer. He was uh he worked in Maryland and he wanted to move up and get promotions and stuff, but he was behind on his work. So he would take his work home with him to work on it. And that work included classified documents. And it, this happened from like I guess documents from like 2010 to 2015. And he got arrested for it. He he, I believe, I think he did plead guilty. He said, you know, he, he didn't take him for spying or anything. He just took it to do work at was home. Was he charged under the Espionage Act, which I think is fairly new? Well, he pleaded guilty to willful retention of national defense information. Okay, so that, so I'm not sure what that falls under. But he was sentenced to five and a half years in prison. Okay, so while you were not in the room, it had to be because you would have recognized it known right away. Okay, okay. Uh, reality winner. She did something a little different. She well, took no. one classified document and, and turned it over to the media. That's dissemination. Yes. And that's what's different from what you just well, said. What I just read. Right. This so. guy was just, he thought he didn't do, wasn't doing anything wrong. She went out and did it on purpose. She did it on purpose. This and guy did it accidentally, and he still went to prison for five and a half years. Right. And she spent five years in prison, and she's still being monitored and whatever. Uh, that's the thing. He has three years of being, of uh, after his release, right. of being monitored then. Yeah, and, and with the, the what I saw was the two different justice systems, or a uh, report on the two different justice systems. Right. Had any, had they, had they, the pictures they were showing of the stacked boxes at the edge of the stage and yeah. in those rooms. In the bathroom. It was just sh shocking to me. that Those pictures were like, are you fucking kidding me? And that's willful and... Uh, but, but even worse, and you know, it happened with Wargate. The cover-up ends up being Me worse than the crime. I don't know. That, and that's what he case. did. He intentionally tried to hide these documents from the government, you yeah. know? Well, that's the crime. The cover-up may yet to happen because with the judge that's been appointed, although I think she's been told. Oh, you mean Judge Cannon, the one who presided yes. over the lasting involving January, uh, was uh, January yeah. 6th or yeah, whatever? Yeah, she, she got slapped back. Oh, I'm sure hard. she's been... she's. She knows she's being watched. She's been instructed. Yeah, yeah she's. Yeah. I think she knows that. And and I know we 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 could be used as like she's been instructed. It's like we sound like we, she's been told by the higher ups the way she's supposed to rule, and that's not exactly what I mean. But I know you know what I mean. I know just, what you mean. Okay. Yeah, it's like you know we know you were appointed by Trump. You you showed your hand and your bias and your last ruling is concerning. You him. have a history. At this. Yeah, we're watching. Don't do it again. Th that's what I mean. Yeah, I'm sure she's been told. But I and I I don't know. But I don't want to see the Justice Department of the United States come after me with an indictment that looked like that. That Hell was no. some damning shit. I, I can't believe there. how specific they were in that indictment. You know, if Merrick Merrick Garland, <laughs> if he had, which I don't think he really did. What? Had anything to do with the running of this investigation up until the at, up until he the ran point, it in the beginning, he but then he ended up he Smith. turned it over to Jack Smith, and I believe he let Jack Smith do what Jack Smith needed to do. Because Jack Smith's not only investigating this, he's also, also investigating January sixth, and he, from what I hear, he's still taking testimony on January sixth. So Merrick Garland turns this job over to this independent guy, and and uh, he comes up with this, and Merrick Garland has to stamp it before it moves ahead. Yeah. And as frustrated as I have been with Merrick Garland. Me too. I believe that his, the way, his snail-like, I'm trying to think of that sloth, that sloth-like thing that he does. Slow and deliberate. Slow and deliberate, but airtight. I think, I think everything that comes out of a Merrick Garland Justice Department, is go especially in this case, these cases, yeah. is going to be 
air fucking tight. It has to be. And you know what? He's having more. He's having more effect on future of government, future of American politics well, than he would if he was on the Supreme right Court. Right now, that senator from what state? His last name is Vance. I think he was. He wrote that book, The Hillbilly Elegy, whatever. He is now holding up nominees for posts in the Department of Justice because of this indictment. He's put a hold so they can't go forward. Yeah, that's and it's like. Name. That, to me, that's obstruction. of You're interfering with a criminal investigation by doing that. No, he's not. In a way, yeah. He's saying, he's, he's, I'm not, I'm not going to let these through because of what you're doing to Trump. Which, as a United States senator, is his right. He can do that. He may have the ability to do it. Doesn't mean he should do no, it. No, that, but that's the thing is when they have this, when do you use your rights? When do you, if you have power over something, when do you use that power and for what reasons? Yeah. And that's what's revealing about what they do. The problem is, where the frustration comes from, is why is it not obvious to people who keep voting to put these people into power over their lives? I know. Because they've been so brainwashed and manipulated you know, the thinking that Democrats are just pure evil and they're going to destroy the country. It's just, I saw something today, which was a meme that, but a meme passed across me that I had seen long ago. And it was a picture of a tweet that said the, the most endangered, I'm going to say, I'm not quoting it directly, the most endangered species in America right now is the uh, white Christian male. Oh, please. Ah, ah. It, it, it had been... I saw it, so it had probably been from some sort of sarcastic meme factor. Yeah, I'm sure. It had to be. And I, I, like I say, I don't get the quote right, but that's what it was. The intent was was that you know these guys are in danger now, and I want to know what from. What is threatening you? What what is causing your imminent harm, danger, distress? What is it that you feel as though? And by by these things that they they keep saying to each other, they keep reinforcing to each other. Yes, we're in danger from what. The fear is all in their heads and was put there by the propagandists, the manipulators. It's it's that is that is is they the, prey on people's fear. Yes, and I think that's what that's fear of what, the other. Yeah. Fear of any change. And what's changing for you? How is this affecting you personally, you know? Are they coming after your job? Are you worried about picking raspberries? Uh it's just Oh, uh, well. Anyway, just to end on a cl- uh, another note on this, people have been asking, can he still run for president? Yes, he can. Oh, yeah. Even if he's uh, uh, imprisoned. He can run for president. Eugene Debs did it back in the early 20th century. He was the Socialist Party candidate. And I believe they jailed him during World War One when they were jailing all leftists during a time that they were anti-war. And he was jailed, but he still ran for office. And yeah. still got, I think he got over like a million or so votes. That's another one of America's dark eras that I don't think people know enough about. Oh, the early 20th century of America? No, the, that whole thing about the, you know, jailing the... Oh, yeah, about the Palmer raids and what will happen yeah. here during World War One. I. I don't know what you're saying, but yeah. It I was a think... bigger violation of civil liberties back then. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about it, but it's probably something we should be talking about. Maybe we'll cover that someday. Does that... No, not you and me. <laughs> what the fuck are we going to bring to that conversation? <laughs> but would that be too woke? Would, or, would that be... Digital race theory? That can't be no, right. It's, digi- it's critical race, race critical, theory. Critical race theory. <laughs> like, is that the same thing? Do white people feel bad about that? They don't probably, most of them nowadays don't even know about it. Yeah. That's no. the sad part. We don't know our history. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, on that note, we will end with... That motherfucker's guilty. That motherfucker's guilty. That motherfucker's guilty. That motherfucker's guilty. That motherfucker's guilty.
heard that rolling through YouTube. I was like, ooh, I gotta add that to the podcast. That was awesome. That sounded a little bit like Janet. That was that was great. It was someone called uh, Madison McFerrin. Madison McFerrin. I yes. if that's a body relative. I don't know. I have no idea. I'll have to find out. Well, yeah, but you certainly researched into fucking Pat Robertson. <laughs> Want to expose the evil out there. Okay. Yes, and now it's time for the Week in Fascism. Patsy and the Coconuts. (laughs) And we have two stories for this Week in Fascism, but they're both about fighting fascism. Okay, which is what we want to do. Yes, we do. And the first one I want to talk about is about a school board meeting that was held at the L.A. Unified School Board District on Tuesday. Okay, L.A. means Los Angeles. Yes, and it seems that uh, uh, sometime before this meeting, there was a pride assembly presentation uh, at an elementary school in the North Hollywood section of oh L.A. Oh my God, here it comes. And it included a reading from a book called The Great Big Book of Families. Okay. And during the protest, there were physical altercations between protesters and counter-protesters, and a pride flag was burned at one point. So then this board meeting came up, and they were voting on a resolution to commemorate June as Pride Month. Wait, I'm sorry. When did the hubbubbery about the... When did that happen? That wasn't at the meeting? No, this was sometime before the meeting. Before the meeting. Before the meeting. So then, so then they had this board meeting and they had this resolution to commemorate June Pride Month. Okay. And also recognize October as uh, Queer History Month, October 11th as National Coming Out Day, and November 20th as the Transgender Day of Remembrance, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So we're trying to put all this gay shit into the law. Right. All right. Well, the school board president spoke. Her name was Jackie Goldberg. She's a lesbian. She's a mother. I'm going to play her entire speech that she gave. It's only about five minutes, but it's a fantastic speech I think everyone should hear and share with other people. I want to be very, very, very clear. Nobody has to accept me. I'm not looking for your acceptance, but you better treat me the same way you treat everybody else. That's how we live in this country. You don't have to love me. You don't have to like me. You can think I'm the devil incarnate. But you better treat me like a decent human being because that's how I treat you, even though you don't believe that I have the right to exist. I read you the entire book. It had one sentence. Families can also be two parents that are mothers and two parents that are fathers. They were told, the parents at that school, that if it was very difficult for their children to be in that room, that they didn't have to be in the room. They announced the assembly, told all the parents, if this is a problem for you, we get it. You know, I've been confronting this issue my entire life. I have been threatened. I've been harassed. I've been denied jobs because of who I am and who I love. Now, a lot of people out there I talk to outside Satakai say, oh, I have a gay cousin. I have a gay nephew. I can't be homophobic. B.S. B.S. You can be homophobic and have a gay friend, a gay neighbor, a gay son, a gay anything. Talk to all the gay kids that get thrown out of their houses and onto the streets by parents who say, I won't have you in my house any longer. And tell me that having a gay relative means that you're not homophobic. 
But here's what really scares me. When you have two or three days of this kind of chaos, of people screaming at the top of their lungs outside a school that read a book with one sentence in it that said, yeah, guess what? Families can include two moms and two dads. By the way, at the little discussion at the school after that, as soon as the book was over, one of the little girls sitting at my knees said, I have two mommies. But a little boy on my other side said, I have five grandmas the idea that there are different kinds of families. The people screaming out at the streets, they didn't get a chance to find out about that because they made a decision based on hearsay. They made a decision based on agitators, not from their community, but from outside their community who saw an opportunity to take advantage of the real fears of people. I am very tired of having young people and adults in the LGBT community hear uh, three days of yelling and screaming about this, what do you think that did to them? What do you think that did to every gay teacher, every gay custodian, every gay worker in this city, every gay kid? What do you think that did to them? It made them afraid. It made them afraid. How dare you make them afraid because you are. I'm sorry. I told you this was personal. I went through with this. My son was harassed because he had two mommies, but my grandchildren aren't. That's progress. But I say to all of you, nobody in this district will ever, ever sexualize any kid for any reason in any classroom in any way, shape, or form. And those of you who believe that this might happen are allowed to read the curriculum materials, are invited into the assemblies with your children, are invited not to have your children go to the assemblies. I do not believe in forcing a parent to have a child attend assembly that they feel would be violating their values. That's fine with me. We don't all have to agree. In fact, none of us all agree, but we are going to stand up and say to people shouting outside of a school and to the media that when you broadcast this in the way that you did, you frightened LGBTQ kids and adults in every school in this district and in this city. And we must take much more care about how we elevate an assembly reading a book with one line, one sentence, one sentence that said also there are families that have two mommies and two daddies. Fear is not our friend. Love is. That was the Mount, Sermon on the Mount, and I'm Jewish and I still say it. Love one another as you would have, as you would be loved. Um, I think that's the rule we should have for absolutely everybody. But if you can't love me, at least don't bug me. Don't threaten me. Don't make me afraid. Treat me with respect. I'll treat you with respect whether we agree or not. Thank you very much. She should use the word libidiqua. <laughs> <laughs> That's your reaction to that speech. When she said LBJ, I said, no, it's libidiqua. <laughs> and that's where I got stuck. And then there was yelling. Well, she's very passionate about yeah. the topic. Okay. But I thought it was a great speech. Really was. That's why I've been I put it on our Facebook page, our Twitter page. 
Now it'll be on the podcast, and I'll put it on our uh, blog as well. Everywhere. I, I wish more people would speak out like this woman did. That's why we need more of that. Yeah, well, nobody gives a shit. But anyway, in our second story, is kind of a follow-up to this one, Illinois became the first state to enact what's being called a ban on book bans. I like this idea. The law was signed on Monday by the governor. It will deny state funding to public libraries that ban materials because of partisan or doctrinal disapproval of the content. I think that's obvious. I think that's excellent. It's like, duh, why you got to write that down for? But yeah, I agree. I think it's a great idea. It's a great law. I feel bad for these libraries because, you know, they're the ones that are subjected to the community pressures on these issues. But I applaud Illinois for doing this. If you're taking public money, you're not counting on the woman who's bitching for your survival, for your support. For No. And now, fuck that Karen. <laughs> yeah. Still on the search, by the way. We now move on to our next topic. Yes, it's time for We Like to Watch. All right, so let me just... I didn't watch it. The Tony Awards. I didn't see it when I it know. aired, and I haven't seen anything about it now. I know a few of the things. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you some of them. I'm going to sit here and eat cookies. You eat cookies. Well, you go ahead and do and the Tony Awards. And you comment as necessary. All right, go ahead. Of course, it was hosted by Ariana DeBose, who did a great job, I thought, as host. The opening number of the show was an acknowledgement that of the writer's strike and their support. It was a whole dance number throughout the theater. No singing at all, no words, nothing, just dancing. It was great. Of course, the big winners of the night, the best musical was Kimberly Akimbo. The best play was Leopold Stott. And the best revival of a musical was Parade. And best revival of a play was Top Dog Underdog. All right. And, of course, one of my Broadway favorites, Victoria Clark, won for uh, leading actress in a musical for Kimberly Akimbo. Absolutely love that woman. She's amazing. She is amazing. I saw her all those years ago in The Light in the Piazza, and she's even, I think, even better today. Just amazing. And she performed, right? Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah, she performed. Also, there were a lot of queer winners at this year's uh, Tony Awards. Sean Hayes won for Leading Actor in a Play for Goodnight Oscar, in which he uh, portrayed Oscar Levant. Supposed to be excellent, and there's a story behind that show happening. Really? Yeah. Okay. He, he's been trying to make this for for years. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, of course, there was Brandon Uranowitz, a gay man who won for Best Featured Actor in a Play for Leopoldstadt. Mm -hmm. He had one of the best lines in his acceptance speech when he said, when your child tells you who they are, believe them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was a great line. Well, it's uh, sort of, not, I don't want to say bastardization. No, never mind. Go ahead. Okay. Another gay person who won was Michael Arden, who won for Best Director for the musical revival of Parade. Mm -hmm. And he had a speech that was bleeped out. What he said was, growing up, I was called the F word more times than I can remember. That's right. And all I can say is that now I'm a faggot with a Tony. That's right. And I was like, God bless you, man, for saying that. Yeah, good yeah, for, yeah. Good for you, yeah, man. Yeah. But a record was set that night because for the first time... Two out non-binary actors won Tony Awards. Oh, dear. Jay Harrison Gee won for Best Leading Actor in a Musical for Some Like It Hot. 
Okay. And Alex Newell won for Best Featured Actor in a Musical for their performance in Shucked. I thought Shucked was going to be the whole thing. Really? I yeah. thought I thought Something Like It Hot was. Yeah. And we were both both wrong. Kimberly and Kimbo. I, and how much of that has to do with Victoria? Who won Creative Awards? Who won Writers Awards? That I don't have. If you want, I can pull that up if you'd like. I'm wondering. I can pull them like, up. Is um because she is fabulous. Who's that? Kimberly Akimbo. Victoria Clark. Oh, Victoria Clark. Yes. Yeah, she's just elegant and classy and talented and and she the, the number she performed from Kimberly Akimbo. She did a great job. Really did. And I'm wondering if that's enough star power to get this far. But who are the writers like? Best book of a musical was D- David Lindsay A Bear for Kimberly Akimbo. Okay, okay, hard to go wrong. Uh, best original score was Kimberly Akimbo. That was Gene Tesori and David Lindsay A Bear. Okay, okay, never mind. Okay, yeah, that was it on the books. It looks like. Uh, who who wrote Shucked? Who wrote Shucked? That I don't. Let me see if it's listed here. Uh, best book of a musical. Oh, uh, yes, it was nominated. A man named Robert Horn uh, wrote wrote the book. All right. The music and lyrics were by Brandy Clark and Shane McAnally. That looks like a fun musical. I do definitely want to see that. Everybody loves it. But it was when the two non-binary actors won, and I saw them come up on stage, and I I was sitting there, and I said to Stephen, I wonder how many straight people at home right now are very confused by by what's going on. Yeah. Because both of these performers came up in dresses, basically, you know, or gowns. So I'm sure there was quite a bit of confusion at home for some people. I don't know why. It's the Tony Awards. You should wear a gown. And also, once again, the Lifetime Achievement War was treated shabbily. I don't know. I didn't see the hour that they did on Paramount Plus. Yeah, I hate that. Which, when supposedly this award was given, but on the primetime show, it was basically a walk-on for the two winners, and that was Joel Gray and John Kander. Yeah. You know, that's like, that's all you're giving them? Two fucking legends of Broadway. Mm. And that's all you're going to do for them on the primetime show? My whole, because I didn't see the primetime show, so I I didn't. Yeah, you uh, didn't see it at all. My whole thing was, have you done this for Fred Ebb? Like, was Fred Ebb done separately? I don't know. Why is he not? I don't know. He had a lot to do with it. Of course he did. Especially if you got those two. Yes. Oh, I want to express my condolences to you. Yeah, well... Because Audrey McDonald did not win she, in her category. She didn't win, and it's a hoax, and <laughs> the vote was rigged, and uh, we're just we're going to have to file lawsuits, because clearly uh, the vote was tampered with. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Did you send a condolence message to Audra? No, I, I didn't. No? No, because, you know, she's above that. She's going to act classy, and she's going to act like, you know, yay for the other person. Yeah. Yeah. So we know you didn't watch the Tonys, but what did you watch this past week, Tony? Not much of anything, really. really? No, I'm sort of in a, like, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, not, not much. No? No. We watched this eight-part docuseries called The Days on Netflix. It's the story of the Fukushima nuclear disaster. Okay. And it basically dramatizes it from the earthquake to some type of resolution at the end. What these people, the conditions they had to work under, was unimaginable. Yeah, that's why they made a documentary about it. The fact that this disaster was not worse is probably miraculous. It re- it's I I just I could not believe you know what what they had to, what these people had to do while they were there. It was simply amazing to watch. Do you so, have yeah. some like examples? 
Are you talking about bravery? Or are you talking about... Yeah, the brave. I mean, the people who, when they were be evacuating and people who volunteered to stay, people who knew they were, they had to go into radioactive areas, you know, to do repair work or whatever, and they went in anyway. And the, the frustration of the main character, I guess, like, the manager of the control center, he becomes, like, the main character. And just watching what happens to him throughout the progression of this, because this takes place over days, you know? And you see him slowly breaking down you know, because it's just getting more and more out of control. Well, it took eight episodes. That's a long time to break down. Yeah. Um. Let me ask you this. Yes. This is in Japan? Yes. All right. Yeah. And that was one, my one complaint, and this is probably not about this, this show, but this show in particular, some of the dubbing. I, I would prefer to watch shows where they're in a foreign language with subtitles. Steven likes, he prefers the dubbing. He does not like reading subtitles. Oh, I can't do dubbing if it's bad. Well, no, the dubbing itself wasn't bad it was some of the translations that were really kind of off see now you know what's interesting i always had subtitles on okay some because i fuck with the volume yeah okay so but with subtitles on watching something that's dubbed with subtitles where sometimes not only are they not using the same words right yeah but exactly like, idioms are completely mm. gone exactly one to the exactly next. crazy then it's, uh, yeah, that's when I have to say, you know what? Too, too much interpretation of uh, yeah. at the same time. Right? Yeah. And not only that, but the acting quality is obviously not the same because these dubbers, they're, they're not acting out the show. They're just basically reading a script. Of course. You know? Of course. So the acting levels vary, to say the least, in the dubbing, which kind of takes away from it as well. Yeah. Well, you know? Bad acting to do that. Yep. And then we watched another show on uh, Netflix. It's a TV series. I think it's in the second season now called All of Us Are Dead. Okay. It's about a zombie outbreak at a school at a school in South Korea. All right. And it's just fun, mindless zombies chasing people and people trying to escape. I'm not into zombies. No? No. Steven isn't either as much. He likes his vampires and werewolves. I like zombies. No, I'm not into zombies. So we've been watching that. We're in the middle of the first season right now. Steven? So yeah, so that was what we watched for this past week. So now we move on to our next segment. God, Karen, you are so stupid. So stupid. Yes, it's time for Stupid People. And this is being awarded this week to Johns Hopkins University. Really? Because they're not usually known for being stupid. Well, they did something stupid in this instance. Mm. It appears that they have a glossary of terms they use at Johns Hopkins University. Well, that makes sense. And they updated the terms. Mm. So Who's Johns Hopkins? I, like, is, is, does Hopkins belong to John? Or are there two, because is there an apostrophe? Or are there two Johns named Hopkins? Or is it a guy named Johns and a guy named Hopkins? I'm going to find out for you right now. I'm just curious. Name origins, word origins. What's that? Ornithology? Or is that bugs? Johns Hopkins was an American merchant investor and philanthropist. So it's a single guy. Yes. Johns Hopkins. Yes. He was named twice. Yes, he was. Okay. All right. I think I had justifiable confusion. Okay. Well, I hope I cleared that up for you. So there's no apostrophe. No, there's no apostrophe. It's, Johns? It's just Johns. Johns. His name is Johns. I believe we'll call him Johns, dear. So anyway, Johns Hopkins University was updating its glossary of terms to include non-binary individuals who might still identify as lesbians. So they defined lesbian as a non-man attracted to a non-man. 
Okay. They didn't do the same thing for the definition of gay, which would have been a non-woman attracted to a non-woman. I don't understand the outrage here. Or the stupidity, to be perfectly honest. Well, because it, it is stupid. You're like, we know lesbians are women. But they're trying to be so inclusive of non-binary people who may still identify as lesbians. So that's why they're saying non-man instead of woman. Okay. I just think it's taking things a little too far. You think that's the, the first fucking... Proof of things being taken too far? No, not the first, but it's a really good example. Of uh, I don't even think this one's so bad. What is John Hopkins University supposed to do? Well, what they, they issued a statement. Uh, they said that the LGBTQ glossary serves as an introduction to the range of identities and terms that are used within the communities. Libidiquois. And is not intended to serve as the definitive answers as to how all people understand or use these terms. They then said, Upon becoming aware of the language in question, we have begun working to determine the origin and context of the glossary's definitions. We have removed the page from our website while we gather more information. Okay, so, so far, the, it looks like uh, J.H. is doing everything that he's supposed to do. Here's my question. Yes. Okay. What the fuck are they supposed to do? That, why do they have a glossary? For, I guess for their employees to use. Lawyers. The correct answer oh, lawyers. is lawyers. They have a glossary because if somebody should say something that offends somebody, they're going to run to a lawyer. And the lawyer is going to sue J.H. because... You can't sue someone for being offended. Is that how many... I'm sorry. I, I think that's adorable. But once it gets in front of a judge, but how many lawsuits... You, do you can't think? bring a lawsuit for being offended. And number one, you have to show... Whenever you bring a lawsuit... You have to show that you suffered some type of damages as a result of the claimed injury or offense. Well, the damages are clear, aren't they? No, well, no not to me. Are they clear to you? Um, I'm trying to play devil's advocate. <laughs> you know what I've realized about myself? What's that? I do that a lot. Yes, we know. Play the devil's advocate? Yes, we know. As our listeners know, too. I guess it's, it is obvious. I mean... I never would have assigned myself that role. But you gave it to yourself. Okay. So it's not like a talent? No, I guess it's just inherent in you. Okay. <laughs> but it's got to be evidence of what? Like, what causes it? You just like busting balls and taking a contrary position? I don't think that's it because, because I don't always do it consciously. You don't have to do it consciously. It can just happen reflexively. I was thinking that it might be uh, proof of empathy. The ability to see from somebody else's perspective. Ah. In order to sometimes effectively argue a point that I don't necessarily agree with. Okay. So it's not evidence of empathy, much more the opportunity to be a pain in the ass. Yes, which is more likely. I'm not going to say that's not valid, but I'm going to hold off final judgment. Okay. But anyway, back to this issue again. We'll circle back. I just think John Hopkins went a little too far in trying to accommodate Everybody. They have no choice, Patrick. Yes, they do. Everybody, if you don't... Every they took the page down now, so they're obviously going to revise it. So, the, yes, they do have choices. Yeah, they're trying They're trying to stay ahead. They got a lawyer somewhere, louder than you, telling them that they have to make sure that every word they say is completely unoffensive to everybody in the world all the time. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. How much is that lawyer being paid per hour? I'm sure a good amount. He don't care how long it not. takes. Of course not. The billable hours. 
Well, anyway, John Hop Johns Hopkins University. Johns. We say stupid. You're so stupid. I'm throwing this as a split decision. Uh, I don't think necessarily that they deserve to be called stupid. Why you think it's wise to put in your glossary that a lesbian is a non-man attracted to a non-man? That sounds like language out of 1984. Are you talking about wise? The novel. When you say, when you say wise. What I'm saying is they suffer nothing by trying to be inclusive. Okay, so it's not it's not like they committed some sort of. But it's like, why can't you just say it's a woman who's attracted to a woman? That is a because what, general definition of what a lesbian is. I I, I understand that. I understand, and then I, and I'm with you. I get it. But I also think the reason why it's happening is because people are hiring lawyers. Lawyers. Don't hire me for that. Well, <laughs> I got better things to do. There are people who represent Donald Trump. They'll 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 take any job. <laughs> anyway, Julie Andrews, take us away. Raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Oh. Thank you, Julie. Yes, it's time once again for five fades. That that thunder happens. I as know you comment conducted. on that every week. You say the same thing about that thunder because it's glorious. <laughs> anyway, for five fades this week, being that today was Flag Day, we were asked to name our five favorite flags. Okay, uh, um, are, are we making any stipulations here? Did you want to make a stipulation? No, I'm just wondering. Like what? Like, would you stipulate the American flag? Well, actually, I have a American flag on my list. Okay. Now, See, I hate the combination of red, white, and blue. Just okay. as a color combination. Okay. I think it's hideous. Okay. So it, it wouldn't fall into, like, a favorites category? Okay. Okay. So I'm going to go my first one. Uh, okay. My first one is is the original pride flag. Me too. And That's number one on my list. My original. With I the pink and the turquoise yeah. on it. And the, the, yeah. But really without the intrusion of the the uh, that side triangle. I don't like the, the new I, version of the pride flag because... Not, uh, these new colors are now symbolizing people. The original colors of the rainbow of the gay flag, the rainbow flag, did not represent people. They represent they represented concepts or ideas. It wasn't even called the gay flag. It was it was, it was the, the rainbow, rainbow flag, flag, you know. And then through the years, now we're at this point where now you flag for oppressed people. For it's now including trans people. Listen, everybody deserves a flag. I mean, I know at one point they added a black stripe to the flag. There's a brown stripe. Prefer, that was for people who died of AIDS. The pink and the blue, which actually may be the one pink of and the turquoise. I wish they kept. I don't know why. No, 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 no. The pink, the 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 trans transsexual flag is pink and or non-binary flag is a baby pink and a baby blue. That's really cute. Okay. I, I whatever, whatever, whatever. But my first choice is the original pride flag. Well, that was uh, and even the modified original. Pride flag. Well, that was mine, too. So right, we good. both had that one. So what's your number two choice? The Vatican flag. The Vatican flag? I like the yellow and the white. I'm going to have to take a look at that. I'm not familiar with the Vatican flag. I, I like the yellow and the white, I got to say. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty color scheme. Yeah. Ah, 
Okay. A little like the, crest there in the middle. Yeah, I like a crest. Okay. A little coat of arms. Yeah, 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 yeah. On a flag it works. I'm not a particularly big yellow fan. I'm not either, but I like the yellow and the white. I like, uh, I think it looks good uh, from a distance. Yes. It's easily identifiable. Uh, it does what a flag is supposed to do without being loud and busy. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a flag that works. Okay. Okay, what's yours? My number two choice is a flag known as the Gadsden flag. Don't know it. You'll know the picture of it. Oh, yeah, don't tread the, on me. The snake with the phrase, don't tread on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found this was this was a flag was made by a delegate to the Congress named Christopher Gadsden. It's fucking yellow, dude. I, I know, and it's yellow also. Go figure. But I love the design of it. It's a great design. Unfortunately, this flag is now being co-opted by I saw the right wing another meme that said, had this picture and then says, Sweetie, who's treading on you? <laughs> like what we were talking about before about nothing's bothering these people. Yep. Yeah, okay. Oh, so, that's great. All right. So, number three? Yeah, what's number three for you? I like a flag with a lion. Now, I know that some of, like, either Scotland, Wales, or England. Well, it's not Wales, I can tell you that. Wales doesn't have a lion? No. It might be England, but I think it might all, England might also be a white backdrop with the red. With the red That's the St. George's cross flag. Um, Here, let me put in... Uh, Scotland, I think, probably has a lion on it. That's no, the UK no, flag, yeah, I don't like... which is the Union Jack. Yeah, no, okay, so... That's so but that's, well, no, flag. that's the Great Britain. Well, that's the United Kingdom. I'm talking about England. Well, we do Scotland first. Scotland first, okay. No, I Scotland, don't, no, no, that's a crowd. Yeah, that's no, no, that's a, a bars. Big, yeah, it's boring as shit. So no one's do But England. that yellow and blue or the yellow and red one over there might 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 be right. Uh England. Yeah, no. that's the, the, I guess the flag of England is the St. George's Cross. Uh, okay. And what about Wales? Wales, that's actually on my list. Is it? Yes, it Can is. Can I see it? You want to see it now? I do want to see it, even though it's not according to what your list is. Not in my order. I, I want to see the, the the flag with the lion on it. It's not a lion. No, it's that's a dragon. dragon. That's why I love the dragon on yeah. it. Yeah. The great looking flag. Look at that. That's yeah, so that's, cool. Looking. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I would say that. That's not what I was thinking of, but short of visual proof, I'll go with this one. <laughs> I'm going to say Wales is my number three. So you actually, all right. So we'll both say it's our number three. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt your whole fucking thing, but that's yeah. okay. What's your number four? Number four flags, huh? Hmm. I'm not so much a flagophile. <laughs> I don't know too much about flags. Did you ever you watch know, Big Bang Theory? Fun with flags? No, fun with flags. <laughs> yeah, no, like, you know, the one with the line on it. Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> um, let's see. I, I see what you got up there. What is that all the way to the right? That's like, no, the next one over. That's Curry. That's the whale's flag. The whale's flag. All right. Uh, I am going to say uh, the pirate flag. The pirate flag. The uh, skull and crossbones. skull and crossbones. Okay. Again. Black and white, clear. You can see it from a distance. Its intent is clear. You know who you're dealing with. It does everything a flag should do. The pirate flag. The pirate flag is your number four. I like it. My number four is the what is known as the Betsy Ross U.S. flag, which was the stars on the circle. circle, I always loved that original design. So that was my number four, even though she didn't actually make it, but... Yeah, it was some gay guy. So what is your fifth and final choice? My fifth and final favorite flag. God, that's hard. Fifth and final favorite flag. Yes. That's alliteration Ooh. gone astray. Damn right. right. <laughs> oh, flag. Oh, Jesus, I really don't want to get this one wrong. 
A flag. Wait, what's that one? Oh, wait, hold on. That one there with the with the yellow and the red. What is that? That is the boating flag of Scotland. Yeah. Oh, you like that one? That's the lion. <laughs> That's him. Okay. It's also yellow. What is that? I, I'm picking a lot of yellow. Yes, I know. I can't believe just because it's on a screen. Oh, that's the one I like. <laughs> no, but that's the lion. Right? I know that's it has a, a lion that's on what it. I'm talking about. You know, it's a weird looking lion. His arms are too long. That's uh, probably a mistake. You, you're halfway through, you're like, fuck. Right. Well, I'm just going to finish the goddamn thing now. And my fifth and final choice for favorite flag is the rising sun flag. That's Korea, right? No, that is Japan. I thought Japan was just a single red dot. Well, that's what it is now. This is the flag best associated with Imperial Japan during World War II. Okay. So not a very popular flag yeah, nowadays. Well, why don't you just fly a fucking swastika? No, well, that's offensive. I, I find mean, nothing attractive uh, about that. No, these guys only... But this flag I have always found to be visually striking. It is absolutely that. Right? It is absolutely physical. That's what, that's yeah, what I like about striking. it. Not what it represents, but just the... The aesthetics of it. Yeah, love. yeah, it's nice. That's those were the colors I wore in my high school prom. Really, yeah, red and I, white. Yeah, my, yeah, Match your hair uh, and your skin. I have school colors. <laughs> oh, okay. And my hair and my skin. <laughs> yeah, I like red and white. It's just when you put the blue in it, it's weird. But you could put like any other color in that, and it would be weird. Probably pink. Maybe would work. It might. Even then, I don't know. What are the like flags are there like that I would even know about? I don't know. All right. I mean, every country has a flag. Usually it's either green, white, and red, or red, white, and blue, or... Well, you have Ukraine, which is blue and yellow. I like that one. I like that. That's very, again, clear. You know who it is. Yep. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment. Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Yes, it's time for the Grumpy Old Gaming Gripe of the Week. And what are you feeling bitchy about tonight, Tommy? Oh, swinging cat. Um, let's see. Oh, forced positivity. Forced positivity. Exactly. Can you give us an example? Yes. Have a nice day! Yes, it's that <laughs> feeling that, you know, why can't you just be happy? And and put on a smiling face and just be happy and uh, um, Yeah. Has anyone tried to do that with you recently? Uh, no. I haven't been around many people recently, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, that whole sort of just put a smile on your face just because, yeah, uh, it doesn't work for me. Okay. Fair enough. That's the opposite. Just the opposite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes me grumpy. Oh, no. You? Be forced smiling. Yeah. <laughs> Be happy. Just be happy. Just be happy. Just fuck yourself. Okay? Be happy. What's your problem? Exactly. That whole you know, You're just... breathing. <laughs> You're alive. Uh, people who can turn that switch, you know, it's sort of it's like fake. There's nothing worse than fake to me, and fake happiness is just as fake as fake anything else. Okay. Uh, it's fake happiness. Fake happiness. Forced happiness, fake happiness. Okay. Yeah, forced False. optimism. False. Compulsory optimism. False. Okay. My gripe this week is what I would call <laughs> video narcissism. Oh. As much as I enjoy looking at the male body in various states of dress and undress, I am so tired of seeing these videos of guys... Filming just to show off their bodies. We've talked about this. Yeah. It's just like... Do you know what it's called? 
What? I'm asking you. No, I do not. Because we've talked about it, and I have given you the step. What is the, What is this called again? It is a thirst trap. That's right, a thirst trap. Yes. Did, we did talk about yes. that. I love it. I hate it. I don't give a fuck. You want to show? You want to take off your shirt and show? Go ahead. That's like normally I would love it, but looking at these videos of these guys, I'm like, wow, big deal. We saw you improve your body from where it was just slimmed down to where you're nice and muscular. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Maybe. Why did I need to see that? I understand that that feeling about how like it's a narcissism that's really annoying. Maybe I relish in the fact that I don't have to look at you because I could click over to the next guy who ain't quite the dick that you are. Yeah. And he looked just as good. So yeah, I love it. Yeah, not me. Thirst traps. I could do without it. Yeah. Okay. So that was my gripe of the week. Yeah, you're getting old. Dude. I guess so. When you're griping about guys taking their shirts off and flexing for you because they feel happy to do it, I think there's really, you know, death rattles are next. There's a time and place of mannerism and presentation. It all matters. Yeah. 40 years ago, you on the docks at fucking Cherry Grove. Yeah. What are you thinking? You're not thinking there's a time and a place and a matter. You're thinking, Jesus, if he took his dick out, I'd drop to my knees right now. That's a whole different story. You're looking at guys who happen to be standing there. These are guys who are putting themselves on. They're saying, look at me, look at me. Don't I look fabulous? Yeah, I'll look at you. Go-go boys, same thing. Strippers, same thing. I'll look at you. Damn right. Damn right. How could you... Not the same thing. Not the same thing. There was... I was just in 7-Eleven, and there was the most beautiful man I've ever seen. Uh, and I stared. Well, good for you. Yeah. I do the same thing. You're out in public with an ass like that? I have God, no problem with God, that. You, you, you are asking for me to be looking at you. But your these ass. videos of these guys, now nah, turn off. Turn okay. off. All right. We now come to the conclusion of this week's episode. Sadly. Yes. Any plans for the weekend, Tommy? Uh, you know what? Why don't you answer that question for me? I work guess. weekend. Are you Patrick. working at the theater? I am working this weekend. Yes, at this theater and this weekend, the teens. Oh, it's the two teen musicals. It's no, 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 no. It's just the one. Oh, just one. Just okay. the one. Uh, you said earlier you were working on two because those two opened and closed the same weekend. Ah, and those were high school. This teams. is a whole brand new teen. This musical. is a brand. No, this is this is middle school. Oh, middle school. Okay, so you got your high schools or your teens. Okay. Okay, and last weekend they did the complete works of William Shakespeare Bridge. Cool. And they did, and another group of them did, uh, and then there were none. Oh, nice. Okay. And there were four or five kids who crossed and were in both. So there were five performances for those two productions. This okay. week, the preteens, the middle school group, 30 of them are doing Grease. Ew. <laughs> Could you imagine how loud? Very. Okay. Yeah. So that's this weekend is um, three performances of the middle school. And you know what? They will be awesome. I'm it's sure just that I hate Greece. I fucking hate Greece. It's, and 30, it's, kids, yeah, it's, 30 kids is a lot. Yes, it is. But it'll be a fun weekend because everybody will be happy. It's, you know, dance recital season. Everybody's okay. happy. See their kid up there being wonderful. Very cool. And most of them are wonderful. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. Well, we'll be right down the block from you on Saturday night. What are you seeing? We're going to the South, uh, the South Shore Theater Experience to see Neil Butte's play The Shape of Things. Oh, The Shape of Things. Starring Avery Bryce Dallas Howard Powell. Yeah, I love his four names. 
<laughs> I thought it was perfect. It always is. But yes, I think it's actually their closing performance weekend. So yes, Stephen and I, and I think John and Sheila will be joining us. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, looking I forward to, to that. I love to see you guys come in. What's that? I love to see you guys come in. Oh, into the theater? Why? Yeah. Because it's fun. You know, it's fun to see the for you. Uh, that's not... I'm completely lying. I'm completely <laughs> lying. I don't know why I started this lie. I must have had a reason. Yeah, I'm sure you did. You had to be going somewhere yeah, with it. Yeah, I think I was just maybe overly conscious of being on live radio and <laughs> feeling like I needed to perform. Um, not necessary. Yeah. Boy, that was a, that was, that was a brick wall right there. <laughs> I hit that motherfucker hard. Anyway, you can find all of our episodes plus our bonus material at... Because whenever you come into a room, you're going to annoy the fuck out of me. You're going to do it on purpose. I love to see Sheila and John, but you two bitches... Because you're so easily annoyable. You're easily disgruntled. I will... Easily provoked. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I rest my case. What you really want to say is I don't fight back. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you do. But sometimes I wait. Yes, you do. For nights like this. I believe <laughs> in, in the temperature <coughs> of revenge being served. Uh, I, 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 I very much like tonight was perfect for me when you went back and talked about the dog grabbing the fucking rope and swinging the. That was perfect. I was like, bitch, Karma just kicked you square in the nuts, and I'm the only one who knows about it, so I'm going to say it out loud. Well, now everybody Everyone, knows about it. All 30 of them. Aren't you happy now? 38 people across six continents. <laughs> who They don't even talk to each other. Who are they going to talk to? Who's everybody they know? Anyway, you can find all of our episodes plus our bonus material at www.grumpyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com And you can follow our daily postings on Facebook and on Twitter. Yeah, but you have to be following because Facebook is not going to Facebook's not going to say... Yes, hey, not, we're not recommended we're on not Facebook. Rec- not recommended on Facebook. Yes. Okay, and there's our tagline. Yes. Not <laughs> recommendable. Not re- no, not recommended by Facebook. Yes. That, love- that'll be our selling point. They love us on Twitter. Yes, they do. Anyway, on that note, we're going to say have a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches.